You're a big tennis guy? Uh, you know what? I grew up playing. Yeah. And <clears throat> I just never played consistently. Mm-hmm. You know, I would play like play for like a week straight, then take like eight years off, you know? <laughs> um, but I just got back into it. You know, I, I just turned 40. All right. Nice. Welcome and to the club. I, are you 40? I'm, I'm 42, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's better, man. Uh, it gets, it's, it's, it's way better. Yeah. I don't know. Hold <laughs> really downhill from here, but yeah, I just turned 40 of three kids. You know, I gained a little bit of weight. Yeah. So, so I. I just, I just, you know, wanted to get back in shape. So I started playing tennis and I play like three days a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there are these courts on 43rd and 9th in Hell's Kitchen, and yeah, I love it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, like, on, I like to play basketball, but it, it seems like uh, the calendar turns between times I play. I'm always like, this is a lot of fun, and then another president is elected, and I'm like, oh, I should go play basketball again. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, well, thanks for, uh, so that's good. Yeah, thanks for carving out the time to, to talk to me. I've, I've, I've I've been very like acutely paying attention to what's been going on in New York and with the comedy scene and um and 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 your club in particular kind of really came to my attention when your your partner James Altuche I'm, I'm pronouncing that correctly right uh Altuche Altuche okay um yeah. when when he you know wrote the now famous New York City is dead and um. First of all, I, I, I want to, you, you tweeted that um, you might be able to help people with securing vaccine appointments, which I, I thought was yeah. great. But I got to ask you, how do you imagine that will be spun into a negative on Twitter? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it seems like you guys try and do a lot of good things. And there's a very small faction that just, it's, it's never good enough. No. Um, again, uh, there's there's only three people that I know of mm-hmm. that try to turn these things into a negative. Yeah. So, you know, I don't I don't think it's it's like literally three human beings that I know <laughs> of. That, you know so that, that that try to yeah just just take all the good that's going on in this industry. Mm-hmm. And, and they try to tear it down, you know. Um, and what? So, yeah, yeah, good. Not legitimate, you know, journalists or it's not it's not legitimate like arguments. Right. It's I really believe it's just three people that hate themselves and they're they're bitter about something, and the only way that they can get attention <clears throat> is by saying something crazy and like negative you know mm-hmm. so it, it like these are people that that we I don't, I don't believe have like a purpose in life you know there's no there's really nothing positive that you know they're contributing to this world sure yeah yeah uh, and, and so I, I, I just think you know all i think their failures you know have just has just you know uh, accumulated to this point where 
they're not getting any accolades for anything. Mm -hmm. So we just go negative because it just gives them that attention, you know, which they feel good about, even if it's negative. Right. Yeah. So if, if it was if it was one thing, if it was like the New York Times, you know, mm -hmm. or the Wall Street Journal, or any legitimate public publication, if they're if they're addressing you know certain things in the industry, that's like legit. You know, those are reputable people that work at these places, mm -hmm. and I, I don't consider like these three trolls reputable. <laughs> right. Sure. So it's not really worth. I just like, and sometimes I just entertain myself mm -hmm. and and go after them on Twitter, which which it, is entertaining. It, it, I do. Uh, I don't even have a Twitter, it, yeah. and I somehow find myself gravitating to watch these uh, back and forths because they are very it, fun. It's just it's really the sole purpose. It's not to just. It's not to give them like any satisfaction. Mm -hmm. It's really. It's purely. I'm just bored mm -hmm. sometimes. And I just entertain myself, and then like I move on. <laughs> right. I really don't make that money. Like, you know, uh, yeah. I know. I, I know. I know what they are, and it's just it's just it's just entertaining just to make fun of them, and I move on. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it seems, but it's what I guess. What's sad is like it seems like you can't win, or they won't let anybody win because it's uh, there's a lot of like comedians should be paid mantras. And then it seems like I think you guys are just set up a new sort of system to get paid on check spots. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, I saw Ariel Elias, mm -hmm. who, who's a great comic. Mm -hmm. I saw she sparked a conversation on Twitter last week where she feels uh, comics should get paid or at least get paid for transportation. Mm -hmm. and, and John Bermeo, my booker, uh, you know, without asking me, of course, he just sometimes he just like <laughs> does things, but I love him and I trust him. Mm -hmm. Um, he he signed on to that pledge to pay comics for a metro card, yeah. Uh, which which is like I think six dollars round trip. Um, and then I, I saw so I saw Ariel asking for that, and I saw John uh committing the club to that. I just rounded up to ten dollars just to pay for transportation, and I think that's, I think that's like a nice thing to do. I would agree. Yeah. Uh, like, again, like it's funny. A few people came came after us about that. Right. Not not the not the three people they were talking about before. Yeah. <laughs> a few other comics um, who I have nothing but respect for, Luis Gomez. Uh, Dan Soder, um, and Sam Morrell, I saw, mm -hmm. chimed in. And I, I think their perspective, and I'm not, like, this is not me, like, bashing them at all. Sure. Um, it's just a disagreement, a respectful disagreement. I would never go after them. They'll destroy me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a little scared of them and intimidated, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, Lewis in particular, because he, he could... He can get you with comedy, and I think he can just kick the living shit out of you and me, yeah, you know, yeah, anybody, he'll, he'll, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, he'll, um, like he'll come to my house and like <laughs> whip me and beat the crap out of me, so I'm not going to start off with him. Sure. Um, uh, no, they, they said, I don't know, they, they're Aaron Berg also, who I'm close with, I think, tweeted at me that it was nice but unnecessary. I think they believe, I mean, they... They, you know, grew up in the clubs getting paid 
nothing for check spots mm-hmm. and they worked many years to work their way up to to getting paid for legit spots and you know getting paid a, a lot more than that for other things that are that they're doing mm-hmm. so i think they just thought these up and coming comics should um you know go the same route and shouldn't care about getting paid for a check spot or getting paid for transportation and they should yeah put their time in mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I, yeah, I respectfully disagree with that, especially during this economy. Right. And they've been out of work, you know, for, for a long time. Uh, who knows what their situation is. If they have like a day job, maybe they were laid off. I know a lot of comics are collecting unemployment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I don't know, like just because that's the way clubs have been doing it for a long time doesn't mean, uh, you can change things. I know, especially in our business, club. I feel like clubs just have been running the same for decades and decades, and they're so used to running things. I feel like there's not so much innovation going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, most clubs charge, you know, tickets at a two drink minimum. There's a check spot. You know, they pay for a check spot. I don't know. I'm. I'm I'm in the mindset where I want to just change things up. It's more fun. Yeah. And it's, it's more, um, you know, I, I, I think we want to just treat comics no matter at what level better. So I think that's where it's coming from just to be like kinder and nicer and yeah. Come face of just helping people. It's definitely admirable. Um, what other sort of changes do you think you'd like to see or implement? Or yeah, I mean, you know, you know, we started Laugh Pass two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's ninety nine dollars a year for unlimited admission to stand up in New York and thirty five clubs around the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like no cover charges ever. There's no drink minimum. You get VIP seating. Um, you you get a just a better experience as a customer as you would uh, just paying for a ticket and a two drink minimum. Like besides, so the ninety nine dollars besides getting you unlimited admission to as many shows as you want. There's no drink minimum. You get a free ticket for your friend. You get VIP seating. If a big if we know a big name is popping in, like. Chris Rock, you get like a text message as a last pass member. Mm-hmm. Hey, Chris Rock popping in tonight, you know, and they're the first to know. So I think that's like super different mm-hmm. that, that I've seen other clubs do. And our mem- our last pass members love it. They really love it. Yeah. Okay, nice. Yeah. Um, so that, that's something we've done. And how you've owned the club for 20, 25 years? 12, 12 years. 12 years. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, it's been around 35 years. But I've owned it for 12 oh, years. Oh, gotcha. And what, what got you into owning a comedy club? Just... So I used, to go, I used to go to comedy clubs when I was in high school and college. Uh, right before I started high school, uh, I, my family moved from Long Island to Manhattan. We lived on 18th Street, 25th and Broadway. Mm-hmm. And I used, I used to just go to the cellar all the time with friends. Um. It was a 10-minute walk, and I, I, I loved going to the cellar and the nice little stand-up in New York. And then Gabe, who I bought the club with, uh, we went to high school together. We met in the ninth grade. Mm-hmm. 
he started getting to stand up and I used to see him perform. He was doing like bringer shows all around the city. So I used to see him perform. And then when we were 27, um, back in 2008, um, I saw an ad that the club is for sale. And I was living around the corner at the time and I called Gabe and I'm like, hey, let's, you know, we used to go here when we were in high school, mm-hmm. let's try to buy it. Yeah. And it was 12 years ago and the rest is history. And now with, with the pandemic, I mean, not just as a club owner, but I mean, as a small business owner, I mean, when did you see, like, I guess walk me through like the early days of the pandemic and like, cause I think you, you even tried to implement right from the start, almost like the live stream shows and stuff like that. But what was the feeling? Cause it's different. I think New York and Los Angeles where I'm at experienced the coronavirus completely different. And so what, like as a business owner, what was going through your mind in the, in the early days? And then how did you, how did you get through it? I guess it's the big, the big overall question. I mean, you're, you're still here and it looks like the clubs are going to start opening it back up. Is that correct? Yeah. April, April 2nd. So yeah, around mid, mid March is when things obviously came to a screeching halt. Mm-hmm. Then we shut down and we didn't know when we would reopen. And I think we did, we did like a last hurrah. We did like a marathon <laughs> of 50 comics. Mm-hmm. It was just like, you know, just a party before <laughs> everything shut down. We had 50 comics come in from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. And we, we streamed that all online. And it was fun. It was a fun, just like last hurrah, just a way for comics to get on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then silence, you know, April, March, April, May. Right. I didn't really do much. I, I went to the club every day. Uh, I live a few blocks away and just spend time by myself in, in the venue, uh, cleaning up and catching up on emails and getting myself organized and sitting in the bench in the window, looking at the sidewalk. Um, so it was a really quiet time and, and a time to reflect. Um, and then when the weather started getting warmer, I started spending more time outside and I got a city bike membership and I would bike over to Central Park and I put a lawn chair and I would do some work yeah. on the lawn. One day during the week, I was just looking around Sheep Meadow, the lawn in Central Park, and just saw a ton of people outside laying out and playing Frisbee and football catch and just enjoying themselves. So I text John, my booker, and... I, I told him like let's try to let's try to do a show here see what happens. Yeah, I mean that's an so, audience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, like people weren't going indoors. Obviously, there were a lot of people in the park. So we organized our first show within a week, and we had like fifty people come out and six comics, and we paid them, and it was an awesome time, and it was magical because comics were so appreciative for. Yeah just being able to perform even if they were like crying babies in the background and like puppies running over them. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, but they, they loved, you know, performing again. And the people obviously wanted to, to laugh. They haven't been, they haven't been outside in months. Mm-hmm. So 
a lot of people were appreciative for what we were doing. And I told John we should really scale this and, and try to do as many shows as possible and as many parks as possible. So at the peak, we were doing 40 to 50 shows a week in parks throughout Manhattan, Brooklyn, and Queens. Yep. I mean, yeah, uh, I mean, there will be audiences. I mean, comics will show up, which is what I find funny about, again, not to go back to the people that are constantly complaining, but they, you know, they, they sort of rat out comics who are traveling or I know you're also doing subway shows, which looked great. That looked really cool and inventive. And it's like true comics have to perform. Like there's just no other way around it. You know, it's like I, I, I've done it in a, in a elevator, you know, just because I knew there would be a crowd there. Hey, if, if there's a market for it, then like, why not? If there are comics that feel comfortable performing indoors, uh, in a train, and if there's people willing to, to go out and watch them, mm-hmm. like, like no one should care, you know? Right. Like, 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 we're in America, or are we, you know, hopefully it's still America. Eh, you know, for, like, for a little bit longer. I don't know. <laughs> we might be at the end, the end of the empire. It's a free country, mm-hmm. and I believe people should, should get to choose what they want to do. It's very simple, and it's unfortunate you have this, this, this segment of people that try to tell you what what you can and cannot do, and and especially with social media that just like amplifies mm. that what they're saying, and and it's it's like none of their business really. Like you don't want to go to a subway show, whether you're a comic or an audience member, don't go, stay at home. Yeah, it's a very <laughs> simple equation, right? Just just don't show up, and you'll be fine. Stay stay in your house and be scared. Yeah, it it's it doesn't make sense. And instead of like people, a lot of people just look at the negative, mm-hmm. and you know, just just applaud the good things that that are happening in the city. Instead of putting everything under a microscope and microscope and, and trying to look at the negative of it and everything, <clears throat> that's just that just shows you, um, you know, how they live their life, which is unfortunate. Yeah. How do you think, so like a perspective on, on New York itself, is it going to come back? I mean, I, you know, you see there's a lot of horror stories, a lot of exodus stories. I know we have it out here, people constantly leaving L.A. And I've definitely seen a shift in my city in the last 12 uh, months. Um, but, you know, like the, you're going to be able to be open in about a week or two weeks, whatever April is, April is. Yeah. Do you, how do you see New York City bouncing back? I I, I think um, New Yorkers, the people that live here and have stayed here, mm-hmm. uh, just need to be more amped up and excited about their city. Um, I don't think we sh- we need we should leave it to the politicians like De Blasio mm-hmm. to get to rally people. <laughs> Because, you know, his dance troupe. If you saw the type, yeah, if you saw the type of, you know, if you saw his plan to revive the city, you know, yeah. like, it makes me want to leave. Uh, <laughs> that's not, not authentic New York. I think like New Yorkers or people that moved here and, and are staying here, um, you know, really need to be the agents to revive the city. And I think over the winter, it was, it was a pretty cold winter and it snowed a lot. And I think a lot of people stayed indoors and there wasn't much to do here. But I, I really believe when the weather 
gets nicer. And like today was the first nice day in a while. Uh, so I think as the weather gets nicer, you'll see more people out mm -hmm. and you'll feel like a great energy about the city. Yeah. And yeah, I think but, but I really people need to like step up and contribute and do their part to make the city exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I know you, you sort of had, or you called uh, Jerry Seinfeld out a little bit. Cause I know that he had his own reaction to, you know, the New York is dead uh, article and, and stuff. And so you've, do you think it'll, you think he's listening? I, I feel like I, and I love Seinfeld and I, and yeah. I feel though. All right, we're done. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like his, his response, uh, it was in, it was in kind of line with like, wait, we get a lot of billionaires telling us how to live our everyday lives. And I don't, and I, I don't know if it's totally in touch with what's going on. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm surprised in general by the silence of most, uh, you know, New Yorkers that achieve some level of fame, like Seinfeld. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they claim to be New Yorkers and love the city. When I, I don't see a lot of, you know, support from them. Not I'm not saying financial, sure. but just right. even when Cuomo announced that comedy clubs can reopen. And, and they've been closed for a full year. I, I looked at some of these big comics like Twitter feed and Instagram just to see if they would comment uh, on like how awesome it is comedy clubs are open. Like nothing. Zero. Right. Yeah. It, 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 I don't know. Like I, I, I look at them much differently mm -hmm. than I have in the past. I, I think it just shows they're out of touch and, you know, obviously their ego got to them and they don't really care about the city or, or the struggles that people are going through. I, I think they need to step out of, you know, all of that and, you know, not think about themselves and say stuff like great clubs are, you know, comedy clubs, you know, we grew up, you know, performing in these places, mm -hmm. so happy that they're up and running again, you know? Oh, I mean, I'm with you 100%. I mean, it, you, you can imagine the kind of excitement that would draw if Seinfeld and whoever else you want to put in that category just even did on April 2nd, just went from doing spots like they always did, you know, go from your place to the cellar to Gotham or wherever. And, and, and the kind of you know, unity that would sort of instantly bring together, I would think, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I, yeah, I don't, I really don't get it, but okay, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, I mean, you're still going to be open, you know, you're going to, in the, the next great comics will be there and you just keep going, I guess. Yeah. I, yeah, I guess it would have been nice to see more, uh, vocal support by them mm -hmm. instead of just one op-ed in the New York Times. Yeah. Like we were, people that stayed in New York during the summer because uh, the city cut sanitation by, by, I think it was like 40% or 60%. Mm -hmm. um, like group, neighborhood groups are organized to clean up, clean up the streets. Yeah. Actually, it's, it's a t-shirt I'm wearing, one block. <laughs> uh, like like we would every Sunday we would be out 
cleaning up the streets because sanitation was cut. Yeah. Like the streets were a mess. There was garbage everywhere. So I, I again, I don't see that type of organizing or support from like these big names, which sucks because they could do a lot more. Yeah. And I see that like, uh, you know, Andrew Yang is leading the polls in the race and you've had some conversations with him. Are you, are you feeling pretty confident in him or what do you, what are you, what are your thoughts on? Yeah. Um, I think there, there's a lot of good candidates. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, you know, I've been in touch with Andrew Yang. I've been in touch with Maya, Willie. I've been in touch with uh, Sean Donovan. Um, I think they all really care about New York. Um, and I think they would all do a great job. Um, I think, um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's, again, it's, it's a very difficult time, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there needs to be some type of, like, united front to, to get the city, like, rocking again, you know? Yeah. Um, by by politicians, by the mayoral like candidates, um, by by the people. I think I think everyone needs to be more energized to get the city back up as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, or or else, like if we don't, the slower we move to reopening, more people will move out. Yeah. So like I was with Andrew Yang yesterday, and like he has awesome energy, and he's young, and he's excited, and I know he's looking to like young people to you know, get the city rocking again. Mm-hmm. So I, I think all the mayoral candidates should like step up and I'm not saying that they're not doing that, but they, they should step up more and they're playing like they're walking a tightrope because they, I know they want to see the city hopping again, uh-huh. but they're also scared about the visuals of being indoors. Right, sure, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, a, a, a few a few politicians I offered to, like, host an event at the club. And, you know, their 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 teams, you know, don't feel comfortable, like, doing it indoors. It just, just it doesn't look good. Like, because my, my, some people might criticize them. Right, right. I mean, yeah. Holding an event indoors. So, again, it's like a, a tightrope, and I get it, you know, um, I do believe someone should like step up and, you know, start doing things indoors more like in a safe way, obviously to encourage people to congregate again. Yeah. I agree with that a hundred percent. Cause I I've been talking with people, you know, out here of like, I, I think the biggest problem we're going to see once our city reopens is I feel like I just know a handful of people that are never going to be the same. And they're always going to be fundamentally changed and and more scared of life. And I, and I really, I really feel like, like you said, like it would be, you have to ignore the people on Twitter who are just complaining about anything. They're just injustice sharks who are just kind of moving through one thing to another. And like, you got to lead and you got to be forward. And it's like, you got to just, uh, be indoors and be like, Hey, you'll survive. We'll be okay. This is it. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta act like it was February of 2020, you know? 
Yeah, I, I, I agree. You just got to, you know, I, I think you'll get, you might get some criticism and pushback in the beginning, mm-hmm. but I think, you know, if you take that risk and you hold events indoors and no one gets sick, mm-hmm. that if it goes well, I think you'll look like, you know, at the end of the day, people will be like, oh, they did it right, you know? Yeah. Like, like, look at Florida, you know? Yeah, it's it's nuts. I mean, like in the beginning. You know, he got he got a lot of heat, yeah. um, and and a lot of people were criticizing him. You know, for for keeping everything open. Mm-hmm. But now, like, he's looking pretty good. Yeah, you know, everyone's willing to Florida. I, I've been to Florida a few times. It's like nothing happened, and just people are enjoying themselves. <laughs> yeah, and it's like it's you don't hear it. You don't you don't. There's no news story about this. It's very weird. It's like yeah, in the beginning, it looked crazy. It's like what are they doing? And then it's you know. I mean, I've been on the opposite end of this. I mean, I feel like, you know, we we got police patrolling people if they, you know, go to Pink's Hot Dogs and and want to eat it there. And it's, meanwhile, our governor is dining indoors and he doesn't care about us. And Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're having issues with Cuomo, obviously. Are you suing him still? Yeah, we're still suing him. Mm Um, it's still pending the lawsuit. It's going through the courts just until we, we actually reopen. Cuomo's known to like flip flop and roll back his, his rules. Yeah. So we're just going to keep it going. We might even sue right now. There's a curfew, like an 11 PM curfew. We might, I think we're going to sue to lift that curfew. Okay. Like, like we need a, you know, we, it's been a year since we've been out of work. Yeah. We, you know, we, we, we have the right to run our business and make money, mm-hmm. even though people, especially on Twitter, don't think we have that right. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird thing. It's like the people that are sort of SJW on Twitter, they always seem to be attacking mom and pop places, right? It's, it seems like a very anti-small business. Exactly. Yeah. I mean... You know, we're, like we announced, we're offering free healthcare visits and COVID testing to comics. Mm-hmm. And, and one of those people was like, "Now comedy club owners get to decide who gets healthcare or not." <laughs> but but isn't that what they want? Don't I mean? Like, what do you want? Like, what do you want us to do? Yeah, <laughs> I, you can't win. It's 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 insane. Like, and... like, tell me how. Like, I'm I'm not gonna listen. But like, what do you want us to do? <laughs> right, right. And and maybe that's. Maybe I'm not giving them enough credit because I'm always amazed at like one person in particular, and I, I don't want to name them for multiple reasons of like I don't need to give them that much airtime. But that's the problem is like now we're giving them airtime, and yeah. I'm and I'm like you're, you're you have ten thousand Twitter followers, but every tweet has like two likes, but somehow you've made national news saying that the Third Reich is uh, doing knock knock jokes you know, in, in New York, which is, I think, I think a lot, it's weird. I think they create like bot accounts to like their own tweets. Yeah. No, it wouldn't surprise me. Like I noticed when I interact with them, every, whenever they interact with me, mm. they get like 50, like bot accounts, liking their stuff and engaging. Yeah. I think it's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you got enough time to just live your entire life on one site, you might as well just invest in it. I think they just like log in and out of Twitter all day, replying under different handles in their own tweets. It's, it's, 
They live in an, I'm not even joking. Like they live in an alternate universe, these people. Yeah, no, no, they do. And, they, and they're somewhat better there. So it's no surprise that they don't want any, they don't want the real world to open up again. I mean, Tim Dillon, I, yeah, Tim Dillon had the greatest tweet, which I can't top, which is, yeah, that. comics who've never gotten paid are arguing about when clubs that they won't perform at should reopen. I mean, it's just, it's yeah. the most succinct put down I've ever heard. It's like, I mean, I think these are failed comedians who don't have a real job. They don't have spouses. They don't have kids. They don't know what it's like in the real world. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm 40. I've, I've, I've run businesses since I'm 19. I'm married for 15 years. I have three kids. You know, I have responsibilities. Like, they don't. They don't have any responsibilities. Mm -hmm. They don't have a job. They don't have families. Um, and, and they're living in an alternate universe called Twitter. And, and they should get out a little. I'll, I'll meet with them in person and have a coffee with them. I don't care. Like, sure, yeah. I, I really believe that like, the more they get out and interact with people, the more normal they could potentially be. Yeah, I mean, life will be better if you talk to humans. It's like proven. Talk to humans. Call me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, they, they're welcome to family, but they're, you know, they hide behind Twitter. Yeah, it's sad. I mean, I again, from the L.A. perspective, I know I've seen it because of just the improv boom that happened here for 10 years of how many people took, you know, Improv 101 and then put comedian in their bio or whatever. And it's just, you know, when it's not working out, you can only sort of, fool yourself for so long and then you just become bitter and it's and that but now luckily everyone's a political activist and uh just, just changed Did you grew up in LA? i'm from ohio originally and then i okay. lived in new orleans for a while that i can't really remember how many years uh because it's a, a lawless city and then i i moved out here about 14 years ago okay um yeah, but that's like sort of what I've seen. It's just like people, when you when you just try and pass it off as like, oh, I do this, and then it's you're not actually doing that, then you know you're gonna get upset by it. Um, uh, before uh, before we get to the Idaho Fest, kind of want to just ask you a few questions of like, uh, you know, we'll keep it, we'll we'll make it happy. Like, what are what are some like great memories of owning a club, like that you have? Like, what are some like memorable nights what are some memorable sets you've seen yeah um so every year uh i help organize a fundraiser for like my kids school mm -hmm. and it's a jewish it's a jewish school and they're pretty religious so at first they didn't want to do a comedy show at, at the venue it was for the parents mm -hmm. uh, you know they, they wanted to do a show in the gym they didn't want to like go into a club or a bar and I convinced them to do it at the club. And, but they said like every comic needs to be like clean. They're like, we trust you, but like make sure not to book dirty comics. <laughs> yeah. And 120 people were there, all parents, including like rabbis and teachers, like in the front row. And then Kevin Hart walked in <laughs> with his entourage. <laughs> and, you know, I, I told him, like I knew he wasn't going to be the cleanest. So, like, without telling him he can't perform, I'm like, just a heads up, it's like an Orthodox Jewish crowd in there. Like, it's probably something you're not used to. He's like, oh, awesome. Like, I'm looking for, like, a hard crowd to test my material on. 
And he went up there and performed like a half hour, just the most raunchy, dirty set you, you can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> and like the rabbis, like, like their jaws were dropping. <laughs> uh, and it was like a disaster. I mean, it was fun, but it was like fun to watch. Like the teacher is like freaking out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, I think you froze a lot. Uh, you know, it looks like you just froze. Well, you came back. You came back. Right? Oh, you're back. Yeah. Yeah. So that was definitely memorable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we did it the next year, but I had to sign a contract that I can't have unannounced guests. <laughs> so that was a fun night. Um, you know, you Jackman, like two years ago, came to the club. Um, he he came to see Caroline Ray. Do you know Caroline? Oh, Ray? sure, yeah, totally. Yeah, so Caroline Ray is like a friend. She, you know, she, she has a place on the Upper West Side, and she she gave me a heads up. Uh, like Friday at, hey, tomorrow night, you know, you Jackman, you know, and his wife were coming to see me. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell Gabe, your partner, you know. Mm-hmm. And I told my wife and I told my kids, they're huge, like, creative showman fans. Okay, nice. And, yeah, we went to the club Saturday night and we were, like, sitting in, in the front bench, sitting at the front bench of the window and Hugh Jackman came in and he sat down next to my girls and, like, put his arm around them and talked to them for a few minutes. Oh, nice. And he was, took pictures with them. It was, he was just, like, really down-to-earth and cool. And he knew, you know, talking to some young kids would make, you know, it would be very special for them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he took the time out and spent some time with them. It was just, it was just cool. You know? Yeah, totally. That That's awesome. Yeah. It's cool to see people like that, you know? Yep. I agree. Um, and then, yes, yeah, so Kevin Hart, you Jackman. I mean, the past year has been, uh, I mean, financially difficult, but like very fulfilling to be able to, I think, take my entrepreneurial hustle and, converted into just all the shows that we did mm-hmm. um in the park was awesome like i would go to the i would i would you know work at home in the morning and then go to the club for a few hours and then at 5 p.m i would i would scoot over or city bike to central park and you know go to a comedy show mm-hmm. or the next day go down to battery park we have another show or go to mccarran park in brooklyn uh so just spending the summer and fall uh, just going to outdoor shows every night and in three boroughs mm-hmm. and, and then going to like rooftop shows and, and seeing what other clubs are doing on their rooftops. That was, that was a really cool time. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I, I was jealous watching a lot of that stuff. Well, a lot of the uh, park shows and, and, and uh, cool. roof shows maybe even our subway shows are, are fun. Yeah. It was, it was, I had an odd feeling of like, I started, opening up like apartment finder and trying to find an apartment in New York. I was like, oh, maybe I'll move there, you know, now. I mean, I, I, I like moved away from New Orleans. I moved down to New Orleans a week before or two weeks before Hurricane Katrina. And I was like, well, maybe I'll, I'll go into the storm this time. Cause it just, yeah. it just seems like you guys were adapting. Cause again, that's what comics do. It's like, you gotta, you gotta adapt. Yeah, it was, it was, it was awesome. It was a great experience. Never forget it. And so now you got the Idaho comedy festival coming up in May. Yeah. We're excited about that. I mean, it originally started as a joke just to 
get back at, at one of the people they were speaking about before. Yeah. Who, who lives who in Idaho or is in Idaho now, I yeah. think. He lives in Idaho now, mm-hmm. um, just temporarily, I think. But, yeah, he, he wrote something, like, negative about the club in May. So, as a joke, um, I just said, hey, you know, maybe we're thinking about producing a comedy festival in, in Idaho. And, and then comics just started sending me, like, their sets, you know, and asking how they can perform there. And, you know, I, I called John booker and i'm like we're doing this got <laughs> <laughs> a logo designed really quickly we're on the website now we got a lot of talent booked already and may 20th to, to the 22nd mm-hmm. like why not yeah like like if we can turn something like negative into something positive and, and make it a fun event that's good for comics and the people of idaho <laughs> i'm all for it yeah it's exciting. I mean, I, that's, uh, I know when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is, I'm going to head out there. I mean, I'm just, it's, it's, it's cool. I mean, it's, especially in Idaho. I mean, I know it does start as a joke, but it's, it's interesting of like, I, I really hope the pandemic does make us realize like, oh, there's a huge country. Like we need to go and throw these things and, and, and entertain, you know, yeah. the whole country. Yeah, why not? yeah. I agree. Like why, why be confined to just four walls? Mm-hmm. You know, and and why just produce shows like on 78th and Broadway at Stand Up New York when we have comics everywhere, and you know, there's obviously so many Americans. Like, let's just be crazy and produce shows like wherever we can. Why not? Let's have fun. Yeah. Well, that's so exciting, and um, um, so about all the all the questions I had. Uh, written down and again I, I really appreciate you taking time and, and stuff and it's been nice uh, meeting you over email and whatnot. yeah same here and then I, I might go to LA next week so maybe we'll meet yeah that'd be great I'm definitely down I'm gonna I'll definitely be there on the 15th